Hey, this is Brandon Emma Richardson, and we are the pastors here at Slate Church based in Waterloo, Ontario, and this is our Sunday podcast. We really hope this message inspires you to lean into all that God has for you. If you would like to get connected with us, follow us on social media or go to slatechurch.com. And hey, it helps us a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Join us for today's message. Hey, Slate Church, here we are. Over the last number of weeks, we've been asking you to pray. Of course, um, for the last couple of years, we've been praying about a building. And over the last number of weeks, we've been praying or asking you to pray over a specific space and conversations we were having. And I know I've been trailing you along probably a little too much in some of the delay in the communication. But I'm sitting here with Neil. And uh, Neil is the president of Emmanuel Bible College. And uh, we're not at Emmanuel Bible College for uh, no particular reason. Uh, we've actually, this is the relationship we've been talking about. And uh, with EBC, we've been talking through uh, what it would look like to um, purchase a property that Emmanuel is currently uh, located on. We're looking to enter into a, 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 a property partnership together. And right now we actually have a letter of intent. So a uh, letter of intent essentially is if you're talking about a relationship, we've been talking about it in terms of we were dating and that's when we were asking you to pray for us. And uh, a letter of intent is a proposal. Uh, Neil, or we put the ring on That's it, right. didn't we? And uh, we're really excited about the future of what this is going to be, not only for Slate Church, but also for EBC. And so we'll get into that in just a moment. But uh, Neil, uh, looking to purchase this property, it's, not, it, it's a property with a lot of meaning. Mm-hmm. There's been a long, rich history here. I wonder if you could just share a little bit of that with uh, Slate. Absolutely. Emmanuel has been in existence for over 81 years now. And it has been uh, a calling ground, a sending ground for thousands uh, of pastors, of missionaries, of leaders, of marketplace leaders uh, that are serving around the world. Uh, And it has been the purpose here to be a place where people can, I mean, the name Emmanuel. Uh, That was one of the things that really struck me when I stepped into this role of president just two years ago in the middle of this pandemic. That, I mean, you think about Emmanuel, God with us. Mm. And that's really what has captured my my heart in this. How do we continue to create a place where people truly encounter God with us? And that's what I've been so excited about the conversations that we've been having. I mean, as, as we think about, we know that uh, organizations, ministries, businesses, I mean, when you pick up the newspaper, uh, you know, I mean, these days, companies are struggling. Uh, they've got to find new and creative ways and partnerships. So as we've been having these conversations, that's really what it has been about. Manuel's never been about the property. It's been about its vision. It's been about its mission to equip men and women to serve in the kingdom of God. I think that's a good um, way to say it because as a church, we've we've mentioned this many times. We've been mobile for a long time, and we've said over and over again that Slate Church doesn't exist to own a building. That That is not... Our mission. This video isn't a video that says, hey, we crossed the finish line, we did it. Uh, It's going, no, this is to further the kingdom impact that's already begun uh, through EBC and Slate and to partner together. What does this mean? What does a property partnership mean? Uh, What it means is that while we will be, um, we intend to acquire the property here at, is it 100 Fergus? 100 Fergus. So you can do a Google search on that and see where it's located. Um, 
while that's that's our intent and we put the ring on it and we're moving forward in that direction, uh, EBC is still going to use the space, which mm -hmm. is a really exciting thing. We're going to be leasing space back to EBC so that Emmanuel Bible College can can continue to thrive as a college. And uh, throughout this Heart for the Hess series, you're going to know why that's such an important part of our heartbeat as a church. But, you know, some really cool things for us as a church that are coming up is that we now get to see this as a home base. And uh, what this says to the Kitchener-Waterloo region, at least for us as a local church, is we're not going anywhere. We're, we intend to stay. We're here to serve. And even just some of the, the upgrades you've done in recent years to the space, like mm -hmm. even a kitchen, we've, there's been so many conversations about there's a, a beautiful building, a beautiful property, and we keep talking about this kitchen, and the reason for that is because we just see so much ability to serve the community out of that kitchen. Um, there's so much exciting um, uh, things to show you here and, and whatever else, but the thing that we wanted to communicate is uh, we're just really excited about what God's doing here. Really excited that EBC is, has an opportunity to thrive into the future. Really excited that Slate can have a home to call its home base. Um, there's some nuances in the timelines in which we would move here and all the rest. Uh, we can communicate that uh, outside of this video, but um, Neil, Throughout this conversation and, and the conversations we have been having, mm -hmm. um, you've been a great encouragement to me. And I think that um, one of the biggest things that we're going to have, at, stories we're going to have out of this, uh, is of a kingdom win-win partnership. And uh, we're here with you. All of Slate is here with you. And we're supporting EBC in any way we can. Yeah. Uh, we have been just so encouraged by the type of conversation that we've been having. I mean, it has all been about how does this build the kingdom of God? How do we come alongside uh, its other partners, other other churches, other other Christian ministries uh, that all benefit uh, from this relationship? And that is really exciting for us. Slate, it's reason to, uh, to celebrate, and we also celebrate with EBC the next season that uh, you're walking into. Yep, and us with you. Yeah. We, we are really excited about this opportunity. We just see new opportunities and new creative pathways, yeah. uh, and that Emmanuel will be here for the next generation as it was for the generations. I'm on. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. It's, uh, it's very exciting. It is. I think a standing ovation that some of us were participating in was more than welcome. <laughs> Uh, if you weren't standing, you haven't been a part of the church for the last five years as we've been setting up and tearing down. And Man, oh man, and many of you have. You just didn't see the, the start of it, but it's amazing. Yeah, it's really exciting. And, and there's probably lots of questions coming out of that too. Maybe you can give some... Yeah, let's... Um, uh, again, time is so short here at the theater. One of the things I'm eventually excited about is that we are going to not have as tight timelines. Um, here's some things that we'd like to share. So you might be confused. Wait, are we sh like just, just buying a part of the building? So we're actually intending to buy the entire building, the entire property at Emmanuel Bible College, which includes three acres of property, an 18,000 square foot main building, a house, and a residence building. And we will be leasing back space to Emmanuel Bible College um, so that they continue to operate. And so one of the things that since we have talked about a building, 
with Luke and Victoria, who were, uh, who are my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, Luke's uh, Emma's brother, who helped start Slate with us. We have always talked about a space that didn't just sit empty throughout the week. And we just didn't know that we would have a chance to purchase a property that already had a use case scenario throughout the week. And what it means is that the relationship that we're entering into, um, it actually enables us to pay down the building very quickly because of the way that we're able to structure a mortgage. Now, some of you are just like, you're going to glaze over. We're actually going to have a Q&A time this coming week on Tuesday night over Zoom. We usually have a leadership uh, night from 8 to 8.30. Uh, we're going to have a leadership night, and I told everybody on leadership night this past week, you can turn off the video at 8.30 if it doesn't end at that time. From 8 to 9, we're going to be having a Q&A time. If we don't need all that time, we're not going to use it, but it's a chance for anybody in our church, if you just have questions about what's happening here, that you can actually ask questions. Um, because we just want to remain transparent in this process. Up until now, and up until uh, last, maybe it was last Saturday or the Saturday before that, we didn't have anything on paper. What we have now is we not only have a letter of intent, but we actually are almost completed an agreement for a purchase of sale. Um, we have, we're drafting up mortgage documents and lease back documents. And uh, so where we're at right now is we're, we're pretty far along in the process. And uh, one of the reasons being is because of uh, Emmanuel's own situation. And uh, they're looking to sell fairly quickly um, based on their own situation. So um, there are so many things we could say. Uh, one other quick question before we get into some of the heart of this. Um, there's been this like, are we going to meet there? Aren't we going to meet there? The plan is to eventually meet at Emmanuel Bible College. Here's what I want to say is we are not yet five years as a church and we're going to purchase this property. Why? Okay. I wish I had have done this for this service, but all of my pastor friends that are much older than Emma and I that have bought buildings in the past, if I showed you the first building that they ever purchased, you would go like, let's just stay in the theater. <laughs> it's kind of nice here. It is a miracle that we have an opportunity to purchase a property that is, is in front of us. Now, it is not a perfect property. We're not buying a church building. We're buying a college that has been retrofitted for a college. And so there will be some latency between us purchasing the property and being able to meet there. And so um, one of the things with this Heart for the House, I'm going to talk about this in just a moment, um, but that we intend with this Heart for the House to use a portion of that to purchase a property. And then moving forward, we will need to do renovations to make sure that we can move in. This is a phenomenal property in really good shape, but it doesn't have a sanctuary yet. And so we actually need to take the time to make a sanctuary. Next week, we're going to be showing a video that's more of a, thorough, uh, a, a better walkthrough of the property. And you're actually going to see some of the camp gatherings. Before EBC brought the, bought the property, they were revival grounds, which meant that they were actually, it was a property that they would set up tents and people from all over North America would go there for revival meetings. And they would set up these tents. And then when it actually grew, they actually built a tabernacle and they turned it into a camp. And in this camp, they would have hundreds of people coming. And the library that you saw was once a building that seated five, 500 people for these revival meetings. And uh, we'll show you a photo next week of what it looked like. And so we intend to restore that part of the building back to its former glory, so to speak. And uh, it's going to be an incredible place to worship God and to make sure that that happens there for years to come. It was really cool. We were at a conference uh, a number of months ago in February, I believe. 
And this pastor called us up. Uh, they said, any church planners in the room that don't have buildings come up. We want to pray for you uh, to get a building. And uh, we were like, yep. <laughs> we like ran up to the front uh, as some pastors do. He never prayed for us to get a building. He just went on a tangent. And then we were all, all of us, like six of us couples were like, he's going to pray. Like we really would like a building. <laughs> God spoke yeah. to you in that moment. Yeah, this is back actually in October. And in that moment, um, I was like, I'm just going to stop and, and like pray myself. And in that moment, I just felt the, the Holy Spirit say to me, with the birth of this child that you're carrying right now, with the birth of this child, you will get a building. And we had Lucy on April 8th, and we signed the letter of intent on April 9th. It's, it's crazy. Like, it is a wild thing. And there's just been... Um, the practical side of things has been incredible, but the spiritual side of things has been something that we cannot ignore as a church. Um, probably just over a year ago, Candace and team wrote the song Revival Rumblings. And I think that we are now walking in those rumblings. We are now walking. And I'm just, I haven't been emotional. I mean, I'm two weeks postpartum people, okay? Like, give me a break here. But it's pretty, uh, it's pretty wild that we are now walking in that. And about a year ago, I said almost to the date as well, we were um, in our Heart for the House series, and I actually had to look back on the message. And uh, at the end of one of our messages, I gave a prophetic word that we are pregnant as a church right now. And there's just been a lot going on about that, and we're about to give birth to something. And it's not all wrapped up in a building, but I think there's something significant, church, about the revival that has happened on this property in the past, about us stepping into it at such a time as this, about what it looks like to put our roots deep in the ground in KW. And I think that God is planting us here. We've already been planted, but we are getting planted deeper. We are transferring a little bit and getting planted deeper. And it's going to be incredible to see what God does. So I want to encourage you. Brandon's going to keep talking about things as the service goes on. And of course, we're careful of time as well. But I want to encourage you, as we are going into this heart for the house season, the question is, do you want to be a part of it? It's not about manipulation. It's not about twisting your arm. It's not about it. But do you want to be a part for our generation, for the next generation, for Lucy who was just born? Do you want to be a part of that as we step forward? Because that's what it's it's going to take. It's going to take all of us together being a part of what's happening here. So it's really exciting. So let's pray. God, thank you for who you are. And God, if I just think of all of the things that I can do in my power, it, it just doesn't even come close to what you're doing in yours. God, one of these things that we say every Heart for the House series is that we can't, and this is something that Emma and I say in our, as our family, we can't outgive God. And God, over the last five years, as we have given diligently, and our team has been wise stewards financially of what you've brought in, and we've put away money and investments and savings and so it puts us in a position to be able to to be here God we recognize that all of that doesn't compare to the miracle of you just bringing this across and, and being a part of what's happening God we're we're really thankful even as a church we can't give you and God we pray for this opportunity that's here God we pray that you would guide and direct it Jesus we thank you that we're even having this conversation. We are not even five years old. Half of our existence has been spent in a pandemic. And on the other side of it, we just have so much to be grateful for. 
And so God, right now, as we pray for the opportunity in the future and, and what seems to be, what seems to, 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 to going to be happening, God, we thank you for that. We also pray for EBC, that God, you would strengthen them. That God, they would walk into the best season that they've had. That God, they would just see an outpouring of students and donations and and just that, God, this would be a place that is sending people out into pastoral ministry and missions and into the workplace for years and generations to come. God, for those that might feel like this is a this is a loss or there's there's a grieving process, God, we pray that you would be close to them and that you would actually show them hope in the midst of this situation. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Why don't you turn your eyes to the screen for the next part of our Heart for the service. Well, church, we just came through a great season. We just had Easter. We had our value series where we went over the six values that we have as a church. You know, God's really been calling us to some audacious um, dreams and visions for the future. And really excited to um, uh, kind of talk about those. The value series was really a way for us to set up the guardrails for how we're going to run as a church. And recently, we've been taking some time to go, okay, if we've got the guardrails, what does it actually look like to drive in the direction that God's yeah. calling us? Mm. I mean, the first thing I want to talk about is just the fact that as a church, our mission is to make disciples of all of Ontario. A very audacious goal. Yeah. A goal that isn't just birthed in our hearts, but a, a goal that, and a dream that is birthed out of the Great Commission for the mm. area and the place that we find ourselves. Right. I'm really encouraged by some of the growth we're seeing in our church in Waterloo Region. Encouraged by my parents. They're starting up a Locals Plus in Coburg. Mm-hmm. Um, some really cool stuff uh, happening in our church in general. And recently, God's really been speaking to us as a team and also to Emma and I uh, when it comes to how we're going to work it out that we, are, that we make disciples of all of Ontario. And really, I mean, we could look at it in three different buckets. Uh, one is building a strong local church. That's what we're all a part of right now. That's what we are all a part of here at Site Church, building a strong local church, because really that's the way on the ground level that we're able to impact uh, the world around us. The second thing is to build a network or a hub for the renewal of the church in Ontario. Now, this is something that we're still going to get to be a part of as a church, but it's a little bit more distant from maybe some of our our daily ongoings. Um, But I would, you know, really love to see and really just feel God's placing on our hearts that we don't need to put Site Church's stamp on everything Mm -hmm. here in Ontario as much as the resources, giftings, heart, dream, skill that God has given us as a church, that we would actually offer that to the church in Ontario, where we connect resource with need. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that next week. But the third thing that we became really passionate about over the last few years, but especially as we sat down a few weeks, a few months ago at this point, is that we would actually also be involved some way in education. Now, some of this stuff and some of these dreams that we have, we're going to be unfolding that vision over time. And really, over the next few years, you're going to hear more coming out about those three things. Today, we want to really sit down and talk a lot more about that local church side of things and really what it looks like over the next um, year, even, to live out and build a strong local church here in the Waterloo region. And the theme we feel God is kind of directing us in as a church is this idea of building a healthy home. And not just us building it, but allowing God to build this healthy home with us. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be, it's an important time to go, okay, what does it look like to actually 
build this healthy home, to come home, to be part of what it means to be not just part of a home. I think that healthy home piece is really important there because home isn't always great for people, but a healthy home, that's a place where you can thrive and you can grow and develop um, both individually and as a family. So Mm -hmm. what a a great opportunity for us to come together, come out of the past couple of years that we've seen, you know, society kind of going crazy with and actually get rooted in, okay, God, like we are, we're coming to a place of health and a place of uh, uh, really engaging in a healthy home. That's good. Ephesians 2, 19 to 22 says, and we're reading under the message version, but it really encapsulates a lot about what we're talking about when it comes to a healthy home. And it says this, that's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. That's so integral in this whole understanding. It's not just us building a home. It's us finding a home in Christ and in God and understand that God is also building his home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he's building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that, all, that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. And I think this might even be something that we read in our This Is Church series last year. And uh, part of this idea of building a healthy home, of course, if we're going to build a healthy home, we have to have a strong family. And I know for a lot of uh, you guys in the areas that you lead, we have Nate, who is our um, discipleship and growth pattern, uh, pastor. Sarah Ruth is our family's pastor. Um, Jared is our associate pastor. We have Ben, who is our executive pastor. And this makes up the lead team led by Emma and I. And in each of your teams, and the people you've been talking about, we've been talking about some of these ideas of how to build a strong family. Yeah. And so, Sarah Ruth, I'm, I'm curious, in some of the ways that you guys have been dreaming when it comes to families, what are some of the things that you've been dreaming up within your team uh, in this idea of building a strong family? Yeah. I love the word family, because family is just people coming together. You can rub shoulders with them. You can just yeah. be together, and it can be messy and not always look pretty, but you always know that you have each other's back. So, mm-hmm. talking to the team and trying to brainstorm, like, what does it look like to be a family in our church? How can we, as a family's team, model this? Mm-hmm. And something that kept coming up a lot was this idea of resourcing families. What can we do to come alongside families yeah. and resource them? Maybe that looks like having workshops or parents' nights or things mm-hmm. where we can, um, you know, talk to them and just have conversation mm-hmm. that peer-to-peer parents working together and also building relationships with one another as well. So that's been just like this reoccurring theme um, when talking about family and resourcing them. Yeah, Cool thing, when we look back at the end of this year, but even over the next consecutive years of resourcing our parents, how strong the kids in our church will be, but also just how strong, because I know we've been actually dreaming also of like resourcing um, just marriages and how much stronger those marriages will be that kids are now entering into. Nate, you lead um, a good portion of our locals, yeah. and of course, in order to have a strong family, our locals, they eat together, serve together, 
have fun together, yeah. uh, hold one another accountable to formation, all the things that locals are, mm-hmm. are a big part of our church. Yeah. What are some of the things that we've been dreaming up uh, as a lead team and in your team uh, when it comes to locals and building a strong family? Yeah, I think especially when it comes to actual families in our church and just like this idea of the different generations coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the big things we've been dreaming about is how can we bring people from different life stages and places in life uh, together with one another. Yeah. Um, Sarah yeah. Ruth leads our prayer team and I was hearing a little bit about their most recent prayer team meeting and there was like students and there was uh, people in their 70s and people who are uh, have teenage kids and some young parents and yeah. all of these people praying with one another and just the power of having different generations speaking into each other's lives and the wisdom and the vision and the excitement. Um, And so with our locals, we want to create more opportunities to bring those generations together, to have, uh, you know, people in our student locals into the homes of our families' locals and have some of that uh, empty nester and that older generation pouring into young marriages and just creating space for that connection. Mm. Yeah. Even one of the ideas that was pulled out of me growing up in church that we've been talking about is there's a guy named Cal, part of my church growing up in Cal is a, is a wonderful man, still is, and uh, when I was in the kids' program of the church I grew up in, Cal was given a photo of me, it went up on his fridge, and every day since he's had that photo on his fridge, he's been praying for me, yeah. even even till today. Yeah. And those are some of the ideas that we're having for connecting mm-hmm. mentorship and those sorts of things in our, in our church. Now, in leading our, a lot of our, our gatherings, um, Jared, there is a sense of family we want to even develop within our Sundays and our Sunday gatherings. Yeah, I think um, I'm doing this like kind of back and forth between yeah, people. Okay. I'll do it too. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, but no, you can you can just see it. Like those Sundays are real opportunities for everybody to get together in that family element. Mm-hmm. And you're saying, so Ruth, you're rubbing shoulders, you're hanging out, you're having fun. Mm-hmm. But you can just see like what that lobby time after a Sunday would look like. Just a full open space. You got food, you got people hanging out. We say this like on a regular basis and we mean it like, People should be leaving together, like going back to each other's homes and inviting mm-hmm. people into mm-hmm. that and having lunch together. You can see just like kids running around like through the hallways yeah. of the church yeah. and things like that. And so just being able to actually gather and celebrate and not just um, coming together on a Sunday, but like what does that actually look like for our teams and what does it mean to serve that community and actually be a part of that together and having uh, right. one of the greatest things that we've seen in the mornings recently has just been parents serving with their kids and bringing yeah. their mm-hmm. kids along. Um, yes. Whether it be muscle team, I remember there was a, a guy that would bring his son out, and he was like five or six, and he was kind of dangerous, and we were always like, don't step on the six-year-old kid, but he's just like putting up pipe and drape, and the beauty of that, passing that torch through generations, not just the principles of our faith, but actually outworking that and serving our community. So that's been really cool to see. I'm excited to see that grow over time as well. Yeah. I think it's cool to see like how abnormal this is. Like this isn't normal, right, in our our society at large to be able to rub shoulders with people of all different Mm -hmm. generations to focus on marriage and have that be Mm -hmm. normalized to serve with our kids Mm -hmm. to um, see from young adults to kind of in a a later stage of life Mm -hmm. come together talk together have relationship what a great opportunity for us to have that strong families and again just feeding into the health of our home Mm -hmm. right yeah yeah i mean a part of uh you know, one of the components of a healthy family is, or a healthy home is having strong families. Another one is just having a home base. Yeah. You know, every home, you know, kind of has a house, you know, so to speak. And um, we only have a couple minutes left in this segment of our, our service for this week. But Ben, 
we're in the midst of like some conversations and even at the time of this filming it's like we don't know where those are going to go we have a lot of faith Mm -hmm. but regardless having a home base for different components of our church is is actually a really important thing for us and right now we're outgrowing our hq space I, i wonder if you could just talk about a little bit of what we dream for in the future when it comes to a building irregardless of how these conversations go yeah, it's really exciting the conversations we've been able to have yeah. about this building and just the dreams that around this table we've thought of um, and lots of our teams have been thinking of as well. How this can be a home base where not just us as Slate Church can come and do stuff, have meetings and all that kind of thing, mm-hmm. but actually can be used as an outreach to reach the community yeah, as well, yeah. to bring others into yeah. our home. And that's such the heart of what yeah. we want to do at yeah. Slate is to be... Um, to be missional, to be yeah. that home base is a base to go out from. Yeah. It yes. is not just to turn yeah. insular and not do anything outside of that. Right, yeah. But how can we really use that as a light in our city yeah. to right. just reach the rest of our yeah. community? So really excited for what that looks like and all that's going to mean for us as a church. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, right now we're really looking into stuff like that studio space, space for youth to meet. Um, you know, at least in the conversation we're having right now, that you're going to get updates on live, not in this video. Um, even things like a kitchen where we can actually yeah. prepare mm-hmm. food for aspects of our church, yeah. uh, not aspects of our church, aspects of uh, our city that we that we serve in. Yeah. It's really on our hearts to build a, a strong, healthy home as a church this year. And it's like an interesting thing because it doesn't seem so new. That's what we've been doing this entire past year. And yet it feels like the strongest call we have as a church right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, one of the things that we talked about in our spiritual formation series, a deeply formed life, is the biggest gift we can give the world is our transforming selves. Mm -hmm. And really, I mean, the church, the local church, in the context we find ourselves, is meant to be a beacon of hope in the place that we find ourselves in. So this was just a little bit of what we're thinking about as a lead team. This lead team isn't just, like, we're not just thinking of these things in and of ourselves. We've been talking to our teams. We've been talking to you. A lot of this is not new information that's being communicated, but it's like kind of a summary of some of the things that God's putting on our hearts in this season. And so uh, next week, we're going to talk more about some of the things that God's placing on our church, some of those different aspects of what it means to create a healthy home. And what we're really looking forward to over this year, we look back and actually see our church as really seeing that the people they turn to uh, for advice uh, in times of celebration, in yeah. times of need, yeah. actually yeah. being those in our church that we call our church family. Yeah. And so um, we just want to thank you for being a part of this family, for part of this journey. And uh, yeah. we'll see you next week. I'm uh, really thankful for the leadership team that you saw there. And many of them have been introduced in previous weeks. And um, uh, and just just really thankful for, for uh, Ben and, and Nate and Jared and Sarah Ruth, Emma, um, just everybody that comprises that lead team and all the work and, and uh, just, just heartbeat of our church that they represent. And uh, they're just... They're just great leaders. Can we say thank you to our lead team and all that they are? A lot of the stuff we've been talking about, you know, it's like sometimes what we would do as a church with Heart for the House season is we would actually like store up a bunch of like really great stuff we wanted to do 
tell you we were going to do it and then like do it like the week after the months after be like look we did it but like it wasn't like the way that we've been operating recently is like you know what no if it's ready to go let's do it because it's going to serve our church really well so things like live right now like right now we are live online and people are watching and and this there's probably like a five second latency so that if i say something i shouldn't they're like bleep it out um but besides that, like, that's something that just started last week. The team set a goal to do that, to get it going, because more and more people are tuning in online, uh, just in general. And so we wanted to make sure that we were ready. Do you realize that we went through an entire pandemic without once going online or, or once going live? Like, that's, that's ridiculous. Uh, but we made it work because we had the studio space, which we're going to create again and all the rest. But now with online and, and, and being able to do it live, we're actually able to have more dynamic. Um, for the Slate uh, Locals Plus that is happening in Coburg right now, um, it's phenomenal. It was eight people when uh, we started our services here at Landmark in September. There was eight people gathering in my parents' home, and it would fluctuate anywhere between four and eight people. And at their Easter services this past week that utilize our online content and everything else, they had over 50 people at their Easter service, which was really just like... And I don't mean anything against you, mom and dad, but like, I mean, it's not an impressive service. It's just like, you guys are just being the church and I love it. And I'm just so thankful for them. Or if it comes down to Portuguese translation, which we got going just four weeks ago, um, and we're just, we're tweaking it. It's not ready to go yet. Um, but for a lot of the Portuguese speaking people that attend our church, or today we just opened a new room for our families because our families have been growing. And so we had to open up another theater and our families team, like, the, the parents that have kids in that room were able to go do a tour. It's awesome. I'm like, I just want to hang out in this little lit up tent that they have. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, the team there has done a great job. God has been doing some really, really, really great things all across our church. And so much of it is not represented on Sundays because... Uh, Sundays are not why we exist as a church. It is a part of what we do as a church, but it is not all we do as a church. I've been reading two different books, and I'm going to give you, like, forgive me, if you're looking for, like, long passages, and, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the, like, flyover version of my message right now, just to make sure that the 1015 can come in on time. But I've been reading two different books uh, in preparation for, for this series. One is The Psychology of Money. Uh, has anybody read this? Uh, I, was expect I actually looked over at Tanner because I knew his hand was going to go up. Uh, good on you. Um, Psychology of Money is one. It's the top-selling finance book right now on the market. And the other one that I've been reading through is God and Money. And, of course, um, over the last five years or four years that we've been doing Heart for the House as a church, I generally pick up a, a few new finance books, um, whatever else, to go into the series and uh, highlight some passages and some ideas that are really significant for us as a church. Oddly enough, this morning uh, on the drive-in, actually it was before the drive-in, uh, we were trying to get out the door. And I mean, we were struggling to get out the door on time with three kids. And so just adding another one to the mix was like God kind of slapping us in the face and be like, how can you do it now? You know, like, good luck. And so we're like trying to get everybody out. And it's always just one kid. It's not the same kid, but there's always like a new kid that's like taking some time to get out the door. And today was Theo. I was like, Theo, like hurry up. And usually Theo's like the first at the door. So I'm just like, I'm like really like, like what is going on with this child? And so uh, without our prompting, 
Theo like comes up to the, uh, the the top of the stairs and he's got this little nickel in his hand and he's like, I'm trying to find money for tie that slate church. And I'm going like, all right, God, I'm going to use this today. I know it's going to come out somehow. And I didn't know how. I'm like, I'm not just going to tell my church with a story that just happened this morning and not tell you all the good quotes that I've read over two books. I'm so excited to share. Next week, next week, some more quotes and stuff are going to come out of some great books, some passages and everything else. He's got this nickel. And then he looks at it and he goes, ah, I've got a rusty penny. I'm going to give that. And so he runs back into his room. I'm like, Theo, we got to get going. And so Theo goes from like wanting to give this nickel. And I think they get points in our kids if they like give. No, they don't. Not for money. We clarified in the kids program. That would be manipulation. Uh, but they do get points for things like uh, bringing their friends and bringing their Bibles and memorizing scripture verses. It's just like we're building a good foundation for these kids. They don't get points for money. That's right. Sarah Ruth would be like, what are you saying? It's going to get us in such hot water. But Theo's like, I want it. They take up a tithe every week. And so Theo wanted to bring money. So he went from wanting to give a nickel. Then he realized, I've got a rusty penny. And he's going to give that because he doesn't want a dirty coin. So he's like, I'm going to give that one instead. And I'm like, oh, that's like a bit of a downgrade. Like, this is like a Cain and Abel situation. Like, let's make sure we clear this up. And by the time he got down the stairs, he's like, you know what? I want to keep my money. And I'm like, ah, oh, like that that's it. Like when we go to heart for the house, that's like my initial response. I like start with the nickel and then I'm like, maybe I'll give you the rusty penny God. And by the time it gets to like May 8th, I'm like, you know what? Like God, I've given a lot. Haven't I? Like maybe I'm just going to keep the stuff. So on the whole ride here, uh, basically we're in this family conversation. You can just imagine with a five-year-old, a four-year-old, a three-year-old, and a screaming newborn, how this conversation around finances went. But I'm like opening up all the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation and trying to explain to my kids why giving is so significant in the kingdom of God. Of course, some of the verses I was going to draw on today are stories from guys like Abraham, who before there was ever a concept of tithe, after winning a battle against one of his adversaries, immediately gave 10% to the high priest out of just what God had done. God had not commanded this once within scripture. And yet what we have is Abraham giving out of just like, we won a battle and gave 10% back to the high priest. One of the things I find really cool about the story is that he actually just gave away the whole 90% to some of his, um, some of his friends and acquaintances. He didn't keep any for himself. And we see this rhythm and, and pattern throughout scripture where it starts with Abraham, but it goes into his, his descendants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We see Isaac also very generous. Jacob, the deceiver, starts to like be a little stingy with God. And we actually see in one part where he promises God one thing and he doesn't give it to him later. We see Solomon and David who build these like extravagant buildings for God. Solomon builds the temple and David is giving towards it. And we see such a rusty and, and, and kind of like dysfunctional relationship with finances. And all the way into the New Testament where Jesus spent most of his parables and most of the stories he tells on giving. 40% of the parables are on money. Again, one of those stats that just blows me away is that the Bible speaks 2,000 times on money. 500 times on faith and love combined. And we go like, wow, like maybe the world's right. Maybe the church and maybe priests and maybe pastors and maybe deacons and maybe boards and maybe the people that work at churches and maybe the Bible itself is obsessed with 
money? What is it that's that's causing me to wrestle with my kids on a, on the car ride in to make my, my son give a rusty penny? And yet something about God that he knows, listen, I created the trees you print money on or the plastic now. I created the, the nickel mines and the, the copper mines that you mine to print your money on. I created it all. God is not saying within scripture that he needs what we have. God's okay. Newsflash. He doesn't need anything that any of us have in our bank account right now. But if we think that love is a problem in our world today, God speaks about it. We think faith is an important thing in our world today. God speaks about it. About 500 times combined. Money seems to be the thing that a lot of us wrestle with day in and day in, week in and week out. We are stressed more about finances in our world today than nearly anything else, including my four-year-old son who doesn't want to give a rusty penny. We were talking on the way in and and, uh, said, Theo, like, why, uh, why, why don't you want to give your rusty penny? And he said, well, because Kenzie has more than me. It's like, well, nothing changes, does it? <laughs> Why do I have a hesitant? Well, my neighbor across the street has a three-car garage. I've only got two. And they've been working on their yard for the last three weeks because they're retired. I love all the retired people in the room, but, like, I can't keep up. And my foundation isn't looks quite as nice as theirs. And my front door is about half the size and I'm comparing and I'm going, God, like, I gotta, you know, like, I gotta keep up. Why don't you want to give Theo? He says, Kenzie has more. By the time we got to church, it's so interesting because I told him, I said, Theo, who gives you your money? And he said, uh, well, I think he said grandpa, uh, <laughs> which is true. Uh, trying to teach him not to take money that hasn't been given to them and, grandparents uh, or their grandparents just have money lying around and they somehow accumulate wealth by just paying up their house. Um, and so just, we're learning. Uh, Kenzie obviously is not just better with money, she's just better at finding money. Uh, she's like a Bitcoin miner. She's like... And uh, I said, no, like, who, who does our money come from? He said, Jesus. That was confusing. He said, how does Jesus give us money? And I started to explain, well, he gives us jobs. He gives us an opportunity to give back. He sometimes provides gifts. I remember the first year pastoring, which was only eight years ago, where Emma and I made $1,000 a month. And somehow by the end of that year, we had saved money. There was envelopes showing up at our door. There was anonymous gifts left as we were leaving church. One person saw my pants that were ripped and literally bought me new pants. They still are part of our church today. gives us our money. And the reason we give our rusty penny is because we believe he's going to give it back. Or how about this way? Who gave you your Lego? Mommy and Daddy. What if you gave Mommy and Daddy a piece of your Lego every day? So I would run out. If you ran out of Lego, what do you think Mommy and Daddy would do if you were giving them Lego all day, every week? You, got, you would buy us more Lego. Theo, I think you know more about money than then you realize. 
It's funny because by the time I got to church, I don't know where the rusty penny is, but he's got the nickel back. And he's, he's ready to give it. He's probably already given it in church. I said, Theo, God will always provide if you, if you decide to give. The Bible, the overarching narrative, when you look at Abraham and you look at, if you look at Isaac and Jacob and David and Solomon, and if you look at uh, uh, the, the early church and the, the passage that the stairs quoted today where the church was just giving freely at hearts that, that were one, when you see the overarching narrative of finances in the Bible, it's that God gives us a blessing to be a blessing. Not so that we can get blessing, which is where often we want to manipulate it. It's like, give and God will give you more. Really, it's, it's kind of this. God will bless you and then you can bless others. God will bless you and you can bless the process we find ourselves in right now as a church. Blessed to be a blessing. All of a sudden, Theo's carrying around this nickel. And I think the reason I was like, God, I'm using that story this morning. And I'm not going to go into all my fancy words. I'm not going to go into my quotes. I'm going to save that for trying to cram it into the next two weeks. The reason I, I thought it was so f- fascinating is Theo decides in his heart. And he's, he's got his nickel. And he said, Dad, I'm going to give this. And while he's here in Team Rally with us, and there's a couple other kids that join Team Rally, like no word of a lie, Theo finds $5 on the ground. And like, listen, it's $5. I have it, by the way, because I know what he would do. He would just lose it. Kenzie would find it, and he'd wonder, why does Kenzie have more money than me? I, Theo said, Dad, I just found this. So where did you find it? But he said, under the seat. And I'm like, if one of you guys lost $5, sorry, it's Theo's now. I said, Theo, what did we talk about earlier? He said, God gives us everything we have. So you notice that you decided in your heart today to give and already God's given back. And you can see him like, maybe I should give the $5. That's not what we're asking for in this series. But I think all the tendencies I saw in my son this morning are the tendencies we're all going to have in our lives over the next three weeks. Is that really the basis of anything when it comes to finances of the kingdom of God is an understanding. And now I'm quoting a, a quote that probably read it in full next week the basis of under any understanding of finances from a christian perspective is that all of it every penny every nickel every dime every five dollar bill comes from god and when we give back to him we're literally giving back to him what he previously gave us as you saw on the screen earlier, and I'm not going to recap all of those things, but uh, our church has a lot of cool things on the go right now. One of them is a building. And just to give you a scale, if you joined us and today you're like, wow, I joined an interesting series. You did. It's one of my favorite series of the year. I used to hate it because I hate talking about money in, in, in church just because it's like people have so many negative connotations. It's become one of my favorite because I've seen what God does through this series so many stories of people giving up vacation money and going, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to donate the vacation. Actually, there's a couple in the room right now. I'll keep them anonymous. One year gave their vacation money and said, rather than going on this vacation, I'm going to give this to the church. And, and the next week got a dream vacation given to them. I'm not saying this. This is not going to branch over into prosperity theology in case you're just like getting to know me. We're not going there. But it's a miraculous, some of the stories that God does throughout the series. To give you a, a bit of a scale of what's happened over the last uh, number of years, um, our first year for Heart for the House, 
a bunch of students in order to launch Slate Church gave $95,000 in one weekend. It was just students. And then last year, because of the pandemic, we didn't run a heart for the house. We pushed it back because we didn't know where the economy would be at and all the rest. And so we ran two heart for the houses six months apart to get us back on schedule. It's been a full year since we've done that. But in six months, the first one, our church gave 200 and I'm looking where Ben is, but 230,000 in the first heart for the house. Six months later, we gave $290,000 heart for the house. In a, in a year period, our church in Heart for the House gave over $500,000. What we're asking for in this season is just that you would ask God, God, what would you have me give? Maybe it's giving up eating out for a year. Maybe it's giving up some level of savings. Maybe it's cashing in some level of investment. I don't know what it is for you. Em and I are wrestling this with ourselves. In case you think you're talking to a pastor that doesn't participate and is only reaping the benefit of this, Em and I have sought every single year, we've done this as a church, to be in the top 10 givers in Heart for the House. And we're still waiting to be beat out. And I'm not saying that to get a reward here on heaven, or here on earth, rather than in heaven. And stairs are like, now we're in the same boat together. I'll get a reward here. I just mean that I say this just to say that um, we don't skimp out on this. We're not like, I'm not like sitting up here trying to twist your arm and somehow in the background not doing things. All the way from $1,000 a month to where God's brought us now, I can tell you this, we can't afford not to give back to God. So for this Heart for the House, we're just asking that everybody would consider May 8th, what you would give. We've got a lot on the go, building being one of them. We're gonna sh- we have to stretch ourselves a little bit this year in order to make that a reality. So I'm just going to keep asking you to pray. What we're looking for in this Heart for the House is not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. We're all in different positions, and I understand that. But what does equal sacrifice in the room look like? So, I'm going to um, I'm going to pray for us. We 10:15 uh, is starting right now. I don't know what they're going to do with online. Uh, they may have already been cut off, and they're about to start the rewatch. I don't know. Um, if you're joining for the 10:15 online, and you're like, "This looks like the end of the service," it is. Uh, we're about to start the next one very shortly. But I want to pray for all of us in the room, um, just in this season, what God might do in our hearts. It's a significant season for us as a church. Let's pray. God, thank you for all that you're doing in our church. This morning has just been like, we're asking ourselves as a staff coming into this service, we're like, what is something we can cut? And it was just like, God, you're just doing so much. And there's so much to tell of what you're doing. We didn't know what, what to cut. God, you're just, you're, you're overwhelming us with blessing in this season. And God, for all of us that kind of sit here and we know the season and we know what's required and we know what, what's going to happen, God, we get nervous. And God, I get nervous. Oh, but I really would love a motorcycle. That's what I've been saying. But God, you know better. You know what this season means for not just us as a church, but for your kingdom here in the Kitchener-Waterloo region and for your, your church here in Ontario. God, we just pray that we would be obedient. God, thank you for all the great things that are happening. God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that has come up with this building. pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Yeah. Don't be light on the clouds. We're thankful for God. Listen, we're going to file out of here pretty quickly. As a church, the reason that we give at all 
is because Christ gave to us on the cross. And I'm not going to give like a really quick and uh, um, I'm not going to cheapen a salvation call. But if you have more questions about why we do what we do as a church and who Jesus is, please feel free. I'll be in the lobby for the next five minutes during worship. Come up and talk to me. I would love to tell you more about uh, who Jesus is and what he's done for us. But church, we'll see you next week. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.